Welcome to the Stray Dog Film Lounge, where two stray dogs bond over their love of movies and filmmaking. I'm Colin. My name's Ross, and what happened to Ian? So, audience, you may be aware, if you're good with numbers, if you got a head for it, that there's only two strays on this episode instead of three, and you may be thinking to yourself, what gives? I love Ian and his funny Muppet impersonations. That's why I listen to the series. Where is he? He's busy. He has a lot of shit going on. He got a root canal. He's not feeling it. So it's it's, it's us today. Yeah, it's, it's, it's us today. Sorry. <laughs> he, he may appear on future episodes. He may not. It's tentative from here on out. Well, anyway, what are we talking about today, Colin? We're talking about a movie that I really, 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 really like. What movie? It's a very good film. It's Monsko Sessi's film, Casino, which I am really passionate about. I think this movie is absolutely exceptional. So what's Casino about? Okay, so I wrote a log line. Good job. Thank you. When he's sent by the Chicago Mafia to Las Vegas, Sam Ace Rothstein has to run the Tangios Casino while trying to keep his ex-hustler wife and loose cannon mob friend from destroying themselves. Um... Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is what it's about. I do kind of feel like halfway through the movie, um, he's also trying to protect the the casino and keep it and make and make it a more legitimate business. Oh yeah. But Joe Pesci keeps screwing it all. Keeps keeps going too far and fucking things up. Well, also the the mob back in Kansas City's fucking shit up too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the the yeah. like the the entire operation. It's it, it's it's really. I really feel like Sam H. Rothstein is running a daycare here for just so many degenerates, and he's just trying to make, he's just trying to be a legitimate businessman. He he he's just trying to run his numbers and stuff like that, and, yeah. and wear the best wardrobe of all time. By the way, I don't care how much they got paid. Whoever was the costume designer for this film was underpaid for what they did. They do look very good in this movie. The newest suits in this movie are incredible. I have a quick question. Yes. Um, of all of Scorsese's filmography, why did you choose this to be the first one we, we talk about on Mike? Truth be told, it's it's the one that I that that has had the most lasting impression on me. Interesting. Which may sound weird because you know movies like Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, I think are just like the perfect summations those are the iconic ones the, the, the yeah. truly iconic and they they truly have some of the best visual storytelling and like cinematic storytelling techniques like known to, to man i mean this also has a lot of like great cinematic technique but i, I guess it is like it does kind of make a point that like even a mid scorsese movie is a great scorsese movie true that's definitely true but i i, I wouldn't yeah. consider this to be a mid uh, Scorsese film. Well, it's not a mid. It's not a mid movie. I would say this is mid for Scorsese because I've seen a bad. I've seen New York, New York. That's a bad Scorsese. <laughs> a, a lot of people are trying to reclaim that as a great Scorsese film. No, New York, New York is just constant suffering, and then there's like fifteen good minutes at the end, yeah. but it's mostly just suffering. Uh, and like Robert De Niro's character is like so unbelievably unlikable. Like, even more unlikable than Travis Bickle. Wow. But it's supposed to... But but the movie's also trying to be, like, a feel-good romantic musical at the same time. But it makes no sense. I, this was... It was Martin Scorsese at his most coked out. 
I think even he would agree that New York, New York was a bad movie. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that like it's like a better version of La La Land. The last 15 minutes are a are the better version of the last 15 minutes of La La Land. Like, I feel like Damien Chazelle definitely took something from New York, New York in that regard. Yeah. But that's pretty much it. Because it, it gets very theatrical towards the end. But other than that, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a miserable time. It says abject misery as a film. Yeah, it's just, it's just Robert De Niro... Just uh, uh, being horribly abusive to to Liza Minnelli, and Liza Minnelli like stays married to him for some reason. Oh, I can't do that. I can I can't watch a movie where Liza Minnelli just gets tortured in it. And then she sings New York, New York in the ends, which I was surprised to learn that originates from that movie. Really? Yeah. I feel like Sinatra has been singing that song before that movie. No, it's like not that old of a song, but it feels old. It feels like a song that's been around for a hundred years, but it's just been around since like 1970-something. That's so weird. I, I really thought that was like a Rat Pack song from the 50s. No, Liza Minnelli sang it first. <laughs> that's so odd. Right? I think it's because Yankee Stadium has made that such like a main staple of their marketing. It's a great song. Um, it's a shame it's in such a miserable movie that no one remembers, and you can only watch by buying the DVD at Dollar Tree. At Dollar Tree, that's the only place that it's available, that's too. The, it's not <laughs> streaming anywhere. You can't rent it online. Yeah. I guarantee, go to your nearest Dollar Tree. There are multiple copies of New York, New York. You know what's in another Dollar Tree movie that's that's always at every dollar store that I go to? What? Woody Allen's Zelig. Yeah, and also um, Radio Days. I, I don't know what the partnership is between... Uh, Woody Allen and Dollar Tree, but it seems like a lot of his films are going there for some reason. What's the best movie you found out at Dollar Tree? Ooh. Honestly, I, I don't think I've ever purchased a movie from a Dollar Tree. Hey everyone, it's Colin, who's editing this episode. I need to make a quick correction to that lapse of memory on my part. I have purchased a movie from a Dollar Tree, and it happens to be the best movie that I think you can purchase from a Dollar Tree, and that movie is Surf's Up. Surf's Up is an incredible underdog story, it's a film from my childhood that I very fondly remember, it's got a very cool chicken in it, it's got animation that's very impressive for the time period, and that I think still holds up, and I would recommend that everyone, everyone everywhere, Purchase soaps up from the local Dollar Tree. I guarantee that it's worth more than a dollar. So check it out for a great deal. Now back to our regular scheduled programming. Best movie I found out at Dollar Tree? Her. At a Dollar Tree? Like, that? that's a movie you buy from a Barnes & Noble. No, years ago, I guess they must have been, like, they produced too many Her DVDs and dumped a bunch of them at Dollar Tree and they went away fast but I got one my copy of her came from Dollar Tree and it's like one of my favorite movies of all time and I got it for a buck that movie's an absolute like objectively made masterpiece yeah like that is that's a perfect film I also have the adventures of Mark Twain the uh, the Will Vinton claymation film okay that one's a pretty good find because Will Vinton's filmography is pretty difficult to, to come across these days, too, right? Like, he, he's one of those, like, underground masters that people are, like, trying to find. But yeah, yeah, he was, like, he was he was trying to be the next Walt Disney, and it just couldn't happen. Yeah. He got Don Bluthed. He got Don Bluthed. 
Anyway, let's put a timer on ourselves so we don't ramble too much. All right, so let's do let's do 20 minutes on Casino. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, starting now. All right, so yeah, let me let me get my thoughts out of the way because I know you ha- you have more to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like this movie a lot. It's I'm not usually into gangster movies, but this is like the best version of that. Um, or like one of the best versions of that. I like how the dynamics changes, you know, halfway through mm-hmm. when Ace is trying to just run a casino and keep everything level. Yeah. Well, Joe Pesci, what's Joe Pesci's character's name? His character's name is Nicky Santuro. Yeah, he's like going around like threatening like normal white collar businessmen <laughs> and like for their lives and like. And I love I love the conflict between the two ideologies that they have at uh rothstein's house it's jews versus italians <laughs> and and santoro's like it's like you look like fucking lionel barrymore right now and like that's just <laughs> such a good line like every de niro and pesci scene in this movie is just pure unadulterated cinema i could watch them argue all day yeah i mean it, it's like really the best that filmmaking has to offer it's just pesci and de niro arguing with each other and you can tell they're friends, like, in real life. You can tell they're great friends, because they're, they're arguing, like, friends, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, and and it's so clear, too, that they're, they're, they're off the book, but in the most wonderful way imaginable. Yeah. It's like watching, like, John Coltrane and Miles Davis just improv together. Yeah. You know, you're just you're going to get some wonderful, wonderful art, and that's really what you give these scenes. Also, another, another thing I liked... When uh when they have that guy's head in the vice and his fucking eye pops out, that was <laughs> fucked up, yo. How the fuck did they do that? That was fucked up. That must have been real. Like, damn, if yo, if I had my head in a vice, I would just say the name of the guy and not get my head squished. Personally, <laughs> I, I I love when when Santo told his boys, he's like, I know you motherfuckers would have ratted by now, <laughs> because like it, it's true the, the the misery that that guy goes through to keep his names, like that's that's the type of friend you want to have. Yeah, like I, I I truly think that Nicky Santo is a lot more threatening than Joe Pesci's character in Goodfellas. Hmm, and I think they're different characters as well. Like a lot of people really love to pigeonhole Joe Pesci and says, oh, he just plays angry Italian men who, who have short guy syndrome. Yeah. And are just explosive and stuff like that. Another thing about the comp- comparison between this and Goodfellas is that I think the stakes are so much higher in this movie. Hmm. And that's what I find more compelling about it. Which is, wait, wait, are you telling me that the movie about a casino is high stakes? Oh, brother, this guy stinks! It's, it's definitely high stakes, and, and Ross has not lost his flavor for one-liners. He's got a future <laughs> ahead of him. Thank you. What other stray thoughts do you do you have on Casino? It's just, I think this movie is just the perfect allegory for capitalism. Hmm. Capitalism is a casino in, in a desert surrounded by a lot of dead bodies buried in the sand. And it's, it's a system set up where everyone loses. And if you win, we're going to fuck you over more. Like that like that scene with the... Uh, Japanese the, the, businessman. Yeah, the Japanese businessman who like wins a lot of money and then is ready to leave. And then 
he gets Don Rickles to be like, ah, so the plane broke down. I don't know. I mean, good thing it's down here, not up there. And then, like... <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Potato Head, by the way. Good use of a Don Rickles. He says nothing in this movie. That's the funny thing. Like, he, he mostly just follows De Niro around through scenes. And he gets beat up by Joe Pesci. He has a he has a presence about him. I have kind of a warmth for Don Rickles, but also at the same time, he's known as, like... The, you know, like the king of Sting, like he's known for being a guy that, you know, has a there's a toughness to him at the same time. You know, this is why it's such interesting casting, because like Don Rickles was like kind of like a Ronnie Dangerfield. And he was like a guy who was just known for his one liners and for his wit. And just for being brutal, like he's really good at just ripping people apart in like roasts. Yeah. And in this movie, he he's like the silent partner. You know what I mean? Yeah. He barely says anything. That's true. I didn't really even think about that. Like, I, I think that Scorsese's casting is just really interesting. Uh, like, I, I think he just has an eye for just finding the right characters for specific roles. You know, yeah. and I, I, I think he goes left field a lot of times. And I think most of the time it pays off. Well, I mean, he does, he does always kind of default to making Robert De Niro a lead, though. Oh, yeah, and, and now Leonardo DiCaprio, since De Niro's older. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, Le- Le- Leo's the new De Niro, yeah. Yeah, which is weird. I, w- I would see Leo as, like, the new, like, Jack Nicholson. Can I give my Robert De Niro hot take? Of course, go ahead. It's not that hot. It's more of a warm take. This is more of a personal thing for me. Mm-hmm. In both this and The Irishman, I'm just like, man, you're just the most Italian man. I don't believe that you're this other thing. <laughs> I don't believe you're Jewish. I don't believe you're Irish. Get out of here. Truth be told, though, his father was Irish. His father is Irish, so it makes sense to the Irishman. Yeah, okay. But, Ross, as a Jew, what do you think of the uh, of Robert De Niro playing a Jewish man in this film? I mean, I don't really care that much. Mm-hmm. Culturally, I don't think it's a super insensitive depiction, if anything, I think this movie's more anti-Italian than anti-Jewish. It's really anti-Italian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one is more critical of Italians than Martin Scorsese. <laughs> it's like it's like a suicide note left by an Italian man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like each... But yeah, no, I mean, it's he's Robert De Niro. He's a master. He can do whatever the hell he wants. You know, and yeah, no, he does a good job. He, I mean, it, it makes sense for the character. He's a very, like, no-nonsense businessman. Makes sense. Works for Robert De Niro. No prob there. It's not as egregious as, like, Viggo Mortensen playing an Italian man in, like, Green Book. But, like, he's, like... Really... <laughs> hey, it's me, a Tony Lip. <laughs> You're telling me that these hey. broads don't like this? You never had fried chicken before? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it, like, like I, I really wouldn't be, say that, like, Robert De Niro is doing, like, a Woody Allen voice in this movie. Exactly. That's why it doesn't bother me, is because it's just Robert De Niro being Robert De Niro. Yeah. And I'll, I'll take that over him putting on, like, a Jew voice. Yeah. You know? He's not doing a Jew impression. Exactly. <laughs> Which, so it's not really, like... It's Robert De Niro playing the specific man, Sam Rothstein. Who happened to be Jewish. Yeah, but that that is... It is an important part of the character, though. Because, you know, there's that cowboy guy who's like, oh, you, you know, you people, when you come here, you're going to learn, you're going to go back home or, yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then also like Joe Pesci sh- shouting out at him in the in the in the desert. Oh yeah, or anywhere to any <laughs> um, of his henchmen. He yeah. just hates the fact yeah, that he's Jewish. Get, get the fuck, get the fucking Jew. Yeah. You know? yeah. What's special about this movie too is that it also shows how foundational the Jewish mob 
was in the Italian mafia and how little praise they got for it. Well, isn't it isn't the thing like like they were the accountants? Well, not only the accountants, but but also the organizers and the visionaries. Yeah, like Mayo Lansky is I, I don't know have you seen the show boardwalk empire no i haven't it's a good one it's a good one i would i would definitely recommend checking it out it falls apart a little in the final season but it shows how visionary Maya lansky who is portrayed not by the same name but in godfather part two that great great actor what's his name i'm gonna look that up real quick hymen roth hymen roth in godfather part two is meant to portray uh Maya lansky and just be a surrogate for him and he truly, he was the guy that moved everyone down to Cuba, moved everyone's money down to Cuba, which later backfired on them. But he, he was the mob accountant, and he was also the guy that helped organize everyone into the five families. So people stopped feuding so viciously with one another over territory and stuff. And so the Jewish mobsters really helped build the basis for the Italian mafia to flourish in the 20th century. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, like, a mafia of, like, every culture. Like, I'm pretty sure there's, like, an Amish mafia. I, I think that's just a Lifetime show. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure about the validity to that. It exists, though. I don't know. I'm, it was some reality show, but it definitely... If it exists, it probably exists. It, it, I'm pretty sure it's a real thing. You don't think there's, there's, a, there's an Amish mafia? <laughs> I, I'm sure they, they, they trade in, uh, in, in wood or something <laughs> like that. I don't, I don't think that I can really buy heroin from the Amish mob. I don't know. But one more thing about Sam Rothstein. Um, I like when he's, he's, he's reassigned. He's told to, you know, do a different job position. And he's told, like, you know, make sure it's 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 a quiet job you take. And he does. He goes on TV. <laughs> that's such a that's such a that's such a Trump move to me. Uh, don't compare this great man, this great businessman, to a demagogue monster like Trump. No, I mean, no, but he is he is. I mean, he's definitely he's definitely smarter than Trump, but he's undeniably also a shady businessman. Without a doubt, he's he's working with the mob. <laughs> and but but the idea is that like he's told to to shut up. And he's in legal trouble, and his first choice is to be really loud publicly. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> like, it's I, love great. I love that. That's I, that's so funny to me. Like, he would be on Twitter, you know? Yeah. I think these Scorsese films are pretty funny. A lot of people say that Scorsese isn't good with comedy. I disagree with that completely. Hard disagree on that. His movies make me laugh more than any Todd Phillips film has ever done. Wait, Todd Phillips? A Hangover trilogy. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, 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 the Joker guy. Joker, Joker guy. guy, yeah. Okay, I was like trying to. I was going through my Rolodex of 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 Todds. I was like, not Todd Field. <laughs> There's way too many people in the entertainment industry with the name Todd. I think I think yeah. we need to cap that. But what were we just talking about? Oh yeah, you were talking about Scorsese comedies. Uh, just want to give a shout out to the King of Comedy. Fantastic movie. That's my favorite Scorsese. A lot of people say that that's the greatest Scorsese movie. I think that may be one of those hipster takes. But I think it's definitely a prophetic film. I mean, no, it's just like it's it's my favorite because like yeah, it's a crime movie, but it's like kind of a funny one, you know, because it, it's like so insane and ridiculous and like desperate and like it's just that's that's my kind of movie. The funny thing is too is that it's Scorsese at his most restrained cinematically. Yeah. Like, like yeah. he's really not doing any crazy camera movements or editing tricks in that film. It, it, it yeah. really does feel like a Jerry Lewis movie where it says a lot of wide shots 
where he lets the actors go bananas inside of them. And Jerry Lewis is in it. That's what I'm saying. I think that yeah. his visual language in King of Comedy is a homage to Jerry Lewis's directing style. It's 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 very low key. It's like more performance focused than like something like Taxi Driver. Yeah. Oh, Casino. Yeah. And what I love about this movie so much is Robert Richardson's cinematography. Yeah. And I really like Thelma Schoonmaker's editing in this. Incredible. This had such a good use of freeze frames. Yeah, the best. Like the part where it's um, it's when they're having a conversation, and then it freeze frames, and he says, see, I had to lie to this guy because... Yes, yes, I want to talk about that too. That, that actor yeah. was Frank Vincent, and he, yeah. in that scene, he was back in Kansas City, and the guy was saying, hey, is Santoro Falcon the, the Jew's wife? And then it freeze frames. <laughs> and then he's like, see, I had yeah. to lie to him because I knew I would get whacked. And then it cuts to it, cu- it cuts to another freeze frame of the old guy. It felt so comedic. It's yeah. like, like, you're probably wondering how I got into this situation, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but way better than that. Yeah, but the best yeah. version of that sort of technique. And then also um, the way it cut on the, uh, the snapshots... When uh, De Niro's fighting with Ginger. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that, that ruled. I love that shit. Anytime there's just something violent happening, just super fast cutting, really exciting. Love that shit. What I really like, too, is that she does really quick uh, cuts between a medium shot and a close-up when we're introducing a character. Yeah. And so uh, it's like a shotgun type of uh, cut because we have a medium shot that we barely have any time on, and then we cut to the close-up. Bam, this guy. And I think yeah. that really gives it some oomph. It does, yeah. Thelma's, Thelma's editing is just incredible. I think I think it's very fair to say that she may be the best editor of all time. Easy, You yeah. know, I don't think that's a hard take at all. But back to Robert Richardson's cinematography, I, what I lo- love about it is that so many cinematographers are trying to hide the lighting setups and are trying to make the lighting look as natural as possible. And mm. Robert Richardson really could give less of a shit about realism with the way he yeah. lights things. I-, I think what you're talking about is just like general trends, you know? Because I feel like that was the general look of movies in the 90s and before. And now with digital cinematography, for some reason, we just don't have key lights anymore. I think it's an unfortunate uh, consequence of Roger Deakins' cinematography. Taking the wrong lessons from it. Yeah, yeah, because Deakins is incredible with having that soft look for his films and still having some incredible lighting setups. But there's so many people who are like, oh, I want to be the next Deakins. And so they're just barely lighting their setups and they're just having really boring frames. Yeah. Anyway, we're uh, we're out of time on on Casino. Uh, on our on our very rambly talk about casino, I give it like a four out of five. It's a, it's okay. a undeniably yeah. undeli- undeniably good movie. Didn't like blow me away, mm-hmm. but it is undeniably a well put together, well crafted, well acted, well directed film. It's a it's a deeply sad film too. I think it's one of Scorsese's saddest films. Hmm. Rothstein is trying so hard to live his American dream and be a legitimate businessman with a beautiful wife. One of the saddest scenes in this movie for me is when Sharon Stone goes back to the house to get her things and the cop is outside with Rothstein and they're just talking to each other and the cop is telling Rothstein like, oh, my life's going good. My, my wife is expecting another kid. And De Niro says, oh, that, 
that's nice. Uh, and she seems so heartbroken because she's trying so hard oh, to fix. I just realized we we didn't even talk about James Woods. James Woods is so fucking incredible. He's an absolute slime ball in this movie. <laughs> he is the best actor at portraying slime balls possibly ever. Like there's just something so scuzzy about him. And Hollywood, please bring back James Woods. I I, I know that he's not the most likable guy to be around, but he's so good at being a slime ball. And I think so many contemporary Hollywood movies are scared of having slime ball characters in their films. So what what do you rate Casino out of out of ten or five or whatever we do? Uh, ten out of ten, five stars. I really think that this is a very overlooked film in Scorsese's filmography, and I would much rather recommend this film than uh, Goodfellas. I think they're both good films, but I think that Casino's superior to Goodfellas. Okay, you're gonna hate me. I still haven't seen Goodfellas. That's fine. Okay. If I were to say to you, bro, you haven't seen Goodfellas, I would I would need to take a shower afterwards. I'm not a gangster movie guy. Like I'm really not. It's such a film bro movie. Yeah. Like if if if, if like if I ever say to you, bro, have you seen Fight Club? Can you just put me down? I do like Fight Club. I I think that's <laughs> such a viciously overrated film. It's all right. It's okay. It's That's what I'm saying. It's okay, but I, I I need to give it a I need to give it a rewatch. I have a coworker who who says like Fight Club is the greatest movie of all time. He's he's a young teen. Exactly, know. it's a young teen movie. Yeah, it's a movie for boys. So now it's time for a new segment, pretty new since we started it last week, called Stray Dog Sidewatches. And that's basically where Ross and I talk about films that we've watched over the course of the past week. And uh, just talk about them for a little bit and whether or not we like them or not. So, Ross, what did you watch this week on your free time? I watched Deep Blue Sea, the 90s shark movie. (laughs) How is it? (laughs) It's so fucking fun. It's so funny. The premise is insane. It's they're fucking doing uh, Alzheimer's research on sharks and they're making the sharks smarter, which is a terrible idea. <laughs> and, Why would you want to do that? And so now multiple sharks <laughs> that have been made more intelligent are attacking this underwater laboratory. <laughs> and like... This sounds wonderful. This this sounds like a treat. It's, it's so fucking campy and good, and it's never boring. We don't make bad movies like this anymore like cocaine bear wishes it was deep blue sea renfield wishes it was deep blue sea deep blue sea is just like a masterpiece the first big kill is stellan skarsgård gets his arm bit off by a shark right Mm -hmm. and so he's put in a stretcher right yeah and they're like helicopter lifting the stretcher out of the water, right? Mm-hmm. But then the, the the cable of the stretcher goes loose. I think the shark pulls it. I don't remember, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then Stellan Skarsgård, who's strapped to the stretcher with like an air tank uh, on him, uh, falls into the water and is grabbed by the shark and dragged around by the shark. He's still breathing because <laughs> he has the air tank on him, and and the shark uses St- Stellan Skarsgård half conscious without an arm as a projectile to break open the glass window to the laboratory 
What's great about that too is that I know that's the first kill. I know that Stellan Skarsgård gave 110 percent to making that as realistic as possible. Oh, it's like you really. I really felt his pain. It was a little upsetting. <laughs> like like Stellan isn't a guy that gets a script like that and says, "Oh, it's time to ham this up." You know, he's like, no, I am a serious Swedish actor, and I'm going to make this as believable as possible. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson's also in it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very funny bit with him I'm not going to spoil. Uh, uh, there's also a bird in it. There's a there's a parrot in the movie. The One of the side characters is like the most 90s black guy ever. I think he's played by LL Cool J. Is, is that right? It might be. Let me double check that. They clearly hired him to be like the black comedic relief of this 90s movie you know yeah um ll cool j is one of the greatest rappers of all time and i've always been curious to check out his acting career and i haven't seen any of his films yeah it is ll cool j yeah so it's ll cool j he's a chef and he's kind of he is kind of a b plot Mm -hmm. um he's a chef who has to escape the flooding facility and he has a he has a pet parrot that's always hanging out with him yeah. And the whole time I was like really worried about whether or not the parrot would would live or not because you know I'm a, I'm a bird guy, not kind of give away what happens to the bird. Is he like Apache the pirate type of parrot? Yeah, he is kind of like Potty. Yeah, kind of a similar vibe, but he's not a marionette. Nice. Does Ella Kuje do a good job in the film? That's all I need to know. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 fun. He's fun. Nice. Moving along. I'm glad that Deep Blue Sea is is a fun film. I'm going to check it out sometime. Before moving on, before wrapping this up, there's one more recommendation that I must give about a new movie. I saw Guy Ritchie's The Covenant with starring Jake Gyllenhaal. How is it? It's fantastic. Oh, okay. It's a really great film. Like, I was really expecting it to be a very passable film. I don't like Guy Ritchie that much as a filmmaker. I think he uh, prioritizes style over substance. Hmm. But this film certainly had a lot of heart. And it was contemplative, too. Like, it made me really consider the Afghani war and America's involvement in it. And it, it, it just set up a whole conversation that I had with my friend afterwards. And it's a phenomenal performance from Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. So I really thought it was going to be a future Dollar Tree movie. And it certainly isn't. It's it's a prestige film. Huh. It looked like a real Redbox movie to, mo- to me. That's interesting. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. It, it seemed... I only saw it because my friend Joe is a massive Jake Gyllenhaal fan and hmm. demands to be a Jake Gyllenhaal completist and watch all of his films. So I agreed to watch it with him, expecting nothing. He's even seen, like, Life, that, like, alien knockoff. I think he's seen every Jake Gyllenhaal movie. I would wow. ha- I needed to verify this with him, but there's there's no bigger Jake Gyllenhaal fan, at least in the tri-state area, <laughs> than Mr. Joe Pastella. All right, folks, that's uh, about all we have for this week's episode. Next week, we're going to be reviewing a kick-ass movie that's coming out soon that I really hope doesn't disappoint us. It's something, a little something, something called Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. The last good Marvel movie. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. Hopefully. Like, I remember, I remember watching the Thor Love and Thunder trailer and just being like, oh my god, this is gonna be so fucking awesome. This is gonna be like Flash Golden, but with Thor, it's gonna be so campy. I'm so excited for this film. And then I watched it, and I'm like, kill me now. That was fucking terrible. (laughs) 
All right. Well, let's not go on too much of a tangent. See you next week for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. See ya. (laughs) See you guys. Take care. Bye.